Huffington Post Boston Sports. You got Carter on the phone recording for the podcast. Got us on our first ever live podcast on Off the Post Boston Sports. We figured we'd try and be more interactive with you guys. For those of you that want to be on here when we're recording live, and for those of you who just want to listen, you've, of course, got the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. So uh, to get started, we'll jump right in. It's a good time to finally have a podcast to talk about a victory with uh, the Pats over the Bills. What would you think of that, Carter? I thought, and a lot of people are saying, and I agree, that it was one of the most complete performances from the offense that we've seen all season long with a diverse group of, of pass catchers that isn't just Julian Edelman and James White. Correct. I thought Nikhil Harry stepped up big. Um, I've, I've had a lot of high hopes for the guys, especially come into the season, even though he is a rookie. I know the injury was a little bit of a setback. Um, I also think that gave him time on a good side to learn the playbook and really know what he needs to do book-wise. But on the downfall, I think it's given Brady very little confidence that they've had to build up over the last two games. And I like where it's heading for the receiving core into the playoffs. I just don't know about you. I'm very skeptical and I'm scared of how Julian Edelman truly feels right now health-wise. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how much they will use him or they plan to use him against Miami, seeing as, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has done some ridiculous things with Miami these past couple games, getting them wins, throwing multiple touchdown passes per game. And so if 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 the Patriots defense can, can stifle Fitzpatrick and, and the Dolphins, I hope that Edelman sees limited snaps and they incorporate a lot of the new guys in and rest their stars. I'd also like to see us go back to the run game. I thought for once out of 15 weeks of football, 16 weeks of football, I thought finally our running game was Sony Michelle White and Burkhead, AKA the new beast mode 2.0. I think it was great to see us be able to pound the ball, especially that touchdown that gave us the lead with five minutes left in the fourth. I thought that was huge. I thought it was great. You know, it's also a case of Buffalo missing some big tackles. But when the Patriots finally go back to the two, they utilize their two tight ends, use use Roberts as the fullback. It's just what the Patriots are good at. And and when they spread out their options, you can't, and you you double Edelman and you use all of your pass catchers, it's hard to defend against. But once again, I noticed a few times they didn't utilize it as much, but I noticed there was multiple times they put Edelman out wide which for those of you that aren't familiar with the way the defenses are set up, if you put Edelman inside, that allows the safety to basically play wherever he wants and then also put a linebacker on him and have a corner still one-on-one on him. So it's double teaming slash triple teaming at that point. You put him completely out wide, that forces that safety. If they're, It takes the linebacker out of the equation completely, and then it forces that safety to go to the hash outside the hash marks, which leads the middle of the field wide open and there's a couple times we hit Lacoste on just a little quick dump play that was open that is usually not open due to the fact that Edelman is clogging up that middle with multiple defenders along with that and without without that fumble in 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 the first it's not a 10-10 game at halftime just speaking of that are you shocked because based off of Bill Belichick's history you fumble the ball you're not getting you're not seeing any more playing time are you shocked to see that he went ahead and stuck with Burkhead over Sony and James White after the fumble? No, because I think I think Belichick realizes that if you take another weapon away, 
regardless of the mistake that they make at this point in the season, it's not going to do any good for you. It, it might teach them a lesson, yeah, but A, Burkhead's a veteran, and he, and like I said, Chick knows if you take away an option, you're just you're just taking away a chance at a W that's really, really important at this point in the season. Yep. I will say this, too. It's funny what the media has done. Going into the game, it was, this is the Patriots' biggest challenge. If anybody's going to beat the Pats, it's going to be the Bills. It's This is the year that the Bills finally take over the AFC East. The Patriots haven't been what they are. Home field advantage isn't scary to an opponent anymore. It was so many lines leading to why Buffalo would dominate that game or at least plot the victory. But then you turn on the, the news on Sunday, and it was, well, the, the, the Bills aren't exactly who we thought they were. They didn't blitz enough. Maybe they're not that good. Rather than looking at the aspect that New England actually played a good full game, made changes that they needed to make, and shut down a team that was, what, 10-3 and three going into the game? I mean, my, my perspective is I think the Bills have arrived. I think the Bills are a dangerous team. I think Josh Allen is, is a good coach, is a good quarterback's coach away from doing some real damage. I think he missed – if he hits, I think, two or three of these – just these these fade routes that he just overthrew his tight ends, I think it's a very different ball game. And I, I, I also want to, to mention, I think I'm surprised no one's talking about it, Marshall Newhouse, when he was at left tackle, was a turnstile – at right tackle, it was he was lights out. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going to be honest. I, or I will be honest. I was one of the guys when I saw him come in, I got worried. I was like, uh-oh. And we had every right to be worried. But he and the rest of the offensive line, to their credit, held their own. Yeah, they absolutely did. I just, I, I'm blown away that the aspect of how social media, uh, Shannon Sharp, all these guys just want to bash how it's not that we improved and that we're doing exactly what we do. For all you Patriots fans, we're doing exactly what we do every year. We hit the slump, unlike the Bruins, which we'll get to in a minute, which is a lot bigger slump. We hit that rocky road against very good teams. We've lost to the Texans, Baltimore, who's number one, and the Chiefs, who are number three. We've lost against very good football teams. We lost five games last year, but we turn it on at the end of the year. and We start to figure out different things that work, and we move it into the playoffs, and it works. Am I concerned that, yes, if we have to go to Baltimore in the ASC championship, can we win a game? I don't even want to talk about that right now because I, I would not put my money on New England to win that game. But this goes back to everything we've done for 20 years. You're two games away from the playoffs, and we finally looked like a very well-oiled machine against the Buffalo Bills, who are a good team. And what concerns me, though, is – you get your confidence against Buffalo. You're going to go at home against uh, presumably <laughs> a, a dumpster fire in Miami. But And then you're going to have to go and play a really good team again. So if we need consistency, if you know it needs to look the same, if not better, against Miami, and then you need to be able to play – you need to play at the same level, if not better, following because you're, you know, you're entering the playoff, you're in the postseason – and you can't it, – it's almost the same – it's almost how we started the season. We started the season against bad teams, and then all of a sudden you're going you're gonna to jump into a game against a team that is as good, if not maybe better than you. Will that affect how the Patriots play in the postseason? And let's not, let's not sleep on it. And a team that could possibly beat us at home on the last game of the season, the way Fitz, Fitzmagic, Patrick, whatever you want to call him, is playing right now. And I want to know, do you, do you consider – Fitzmagic, an elite quarterback? 
Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let's let's look at the facts here. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, is if I, if I remember correctly, is the only quarterback to throw four touchdown, four plus touchdowns in a game for four different teams. Um, with think, with not think, great receiving it, it might be it might be since a certain year, but I think I'm correct. That to me is I'm I'm calling Fitzmagic an elite quarterback. If I gave you a table and a chair and a sign, would you go out in the park and put that change my mind flag or? sign out there and let people yeah i'd love to i'd love to talk to some, <laughs> some people about that no but the one that i will say belichick you heard him in uh in the locker room if you guys watched the video he already told the team guys next sunday's a playoff game period we lose sunday for whatever reason uh flukes calls bad game fits magic throws five touchdowns whatever it is we're in a world of hurt without this bye week we're in a lot of trouble i was praying for I was praying for uh, KC to lose last night so we could just rest everybody and basically have two bye weeks. But that's not the case. We have to play a Dolphins team that we can't take lightly, and uh, we just got to go out and, and, and perform. And Bill's already set the expectations for the team by saying it's a playoff game, and, and he'll have them ready. I'm not concerned about that at all. You're going to put Gilmore and Parker, and I think you just blitz the hell out of Fitzmagic and force them to do other things because there's no running game on that team. So none, none at all. So I think you're right. I think you force Fitzpatrick out of the pocket and may, and force him to throw on the run, which he's which he can't really do. So transitioning out of a slump of the New England Patriots back into a slump of the Boston Bruins, we are coming into a game tonight against the powerhouse of the entire NHL. Uh, the Washington Capitals, a team that I dread to play every year, every minute, every day. Uh, for whatever reason, they have our number. We've come off starting good in games against them, but we've just come up short every time. There is no char tonight. What are your thoughts going into tonight? Because you have Moore and Clifton now, both in the lineup on D. I mean, I like Moore. I like Clifton. They're they're both very smart, mobile, and and still physical defenders. I'm not hoping that Moore is the one to take over the physicality because, you know, he's still not 100% with his shoulder. But I think you got you got big guys in Carlo who's not afraid to mix it up. Uh, McAvoy's, you know, when he's when he's angry, he's he's good. I mean, I don't – you don't have Wagner in the lineup, so you don't have that physical aspect. But Corrales a spark plug for the team. I think I, – I know that Marchand has no issue getting in there and, and getting under everyone's skin. Um, if Tom Wilson decides to be the per- the player that he is, which is physical and and sometimes dangerous, I don't I don't see a fight tonight. I do see it potentially getting out of the hand if if the referees don't don't call it out early. Um, but I'm not concerned if if Tom Wilson acts like an idiot and and not too much happens in retaliation. I agree with you. I'd love to see somebody step up, but I almost think that hurt us more than help us because we have nobody. Let's face it, guys. We have nobody on our team at all that can go fist to fist against Wilson whatsoever. There's Um, not a lot of people in the league that can go fist to fist with Tom Wilson. Agreed. I'd pay pay pay-per-view to watch Conor McGregor or Floyd Money Mayweather and Wilson in a ring. Like That's how good Wilson is. And he lays hits, guys. It's not... And they're not all dirty. I mean, no. they're, they're not. They're, they're just physical hits that these guys will go ahead and try to – fans want to call him dirty. He's not. He's just a physical guy, and that's all there is to it. 
Does he toe the line sometimes? Absolutely. Does he has he had some some very questionable hits and been suspended? Yes, but you can't you can't look at a guy like Tom Wilson and say he's completely this or he's completely that. No. It'd be inaccurate to do that completely. Um I want to know, you got a couple questions on here. Kevin Brady, stop being second to the puck and watch your passing with the boards getting out of the D zone would help. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, that's just that should be the basis for for going into any game. Just win the puck battles. Don't be soft against the board. And then you know there's your pucks in deep, pucks on net, second the puck. So, and can we do one thing, guys? Can we go ahead and protect the goalie? Like I know a lot of people when we give up, when we lose three two, four three four two, the first thing everybody jumps on is no matter who's in net, they're the blame. They gave up a softy. Well, the definition of a softy is a goalie completely missing a wide-open shot. But that's more of a breakaway. Softies, to me, are when there's when it's just it's clear as day and they should have made a save, but they didn't. You can't consider a softy when the defense is not protecting the goalie, when there's no net front presence on the D. You can't leave your goalie out to dry. It's almost like a quarterback thrown across the middle. You can't leave your receiver out to dry. Without defensive help, those goals are going to go in, and it's going to initially look bad on the goalie, but you can't put that on just the goalie. We are outstanding in net right now with it, Rask it, and Halak. It makes me want to go back to, to Halak's last play that where he, you know, he left the crease, he went forward, he got to the puck first. It was, it, you know, but it bounced off. It was, it was Roman Yossi's legs, I believe, and, and he had an open net. So, and people were jumping all over Halak because it's an easy, it's an easy cop out when you see a goalie leave his crease, but. It's either that or it's a, it's a it's a break, it's another breakaway, so I don't. I, Halak made the right decision, and then it's just bad puck luck. Cat says Chara question mark Chara is out. He will not be playing tonight. You got Clifton and Moore in tonight with no Chara, and you uh, also got uh, Joakim Nordstrom in for uh, Wagner. Yes, which I didn't like to see because with Wilson and guys like that on the ice, I love having Wagner available. Um, also. Nordy isn't isn't afraid to mix it up either. He's 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 tough. So he's not, and it, it, he's not his, Wagner. He's not Wagner. No, that's, by, that's by the, no means. Yeah. But my question to you guys, uh, even yourself, Carter, what's happening right now? And I wrote a post on it on our Instagram page and shared it on our Facebook. What's happening right now is exactly what happened to us in the Stanley Cup Finals. We lost because teams learned to shut down our top line and rely on other lines of score, which they're not. There's no production, zero, coming elsewhere on our entire team except from that top line. So it raises my question, what needs to be done for the second, third, or fourth line to step up? Or does Cassidy make a big change? Does he go ahead and move Coyle up to the first line and Bergey to the second? Or does he move Pasta to the second and Heinen to the first? Does he make a change? Because I don't want to hear people say it's going to screw up the chemistry because with those three guys on the ice, no matter where they are, what time of day, they know where each other's at, period. Does Corrali make an adjustment or does he rely on the team to go ahead and make their own changes? See, I don't think it needs to be this huge mix-up and, and shuffling around the lines. I, cause I, and I wrote about this. I, I think it's just, you know, it's 55 minutes of, of good hockey and then five minutes of bad puck luck and, and – and, tiny mistakes that that lead to like you know a block shot that leads to a breakaway i don't think it needs to be this big reshuffling and, and restructuring of the entire system 
I think it's I think it's just the teeny tiny ticky tacky stuff that you know, once you zoom in on it, you're like, oh, that's an easy fix, and then you're gonna start winning hockey games again. And again, I I also wrote this last night in that little post. I as much as I hate to admit that the slump we're going in right now. I personally believe this is the type of slump that you can look back on. If you can get yourself out of it in the next few games, you can look back on and say, you know what? That slump helped us get back to our winning ways. It humbled the team. It made them realize we're not going to win every game, no matter which way the puck bounces in our favor. It's not a guaranteed win night in, night out. I go all the way back, and I'll continue to do it every time. When the Patriots lost to the Giants, I firmly believe that if they would have lost the game in the regular season, they would have won the Super Bowl. You get so equipped to, oh, we win. We find a way. We always score. Oh, this, that's always the way it does. When you get into one of these slumps, it's completely different. Thank God we have a huge points lead that's now dwindled down to nine for to allow us to hit the slump and not drop in the standings. And luckily, the, the, the Bruins still have the benefit of the All-Star break when it happens. So you can reset kind of, you know, Everyone gets a rest. They, if you have any lingering injuries, you can you have time to recover. And then, w- did we figure out when uh, the trade deadline was? I don't know that. And if any of you guys on here can actually speak to that, I do. We we don't know when the trade deadline is. But We're speaking, trying... but speaking of which, I don't think the Bruins really need to make any moves, and the, because there's not there's not a huge need in terms of you know positionally. Like obviously, we're we're fine with our with our goaltenders. We, we we like to roll through our four lines and, and we got the guys that we can sub in and out and scratch and, and our D guys are our D pairs are fine. It's not I think it's just that that confidence issue in terms of being able to follow through the, with these games. I don't think there need, needs to be a huge a huge trade or a huge adjustment. Um I guess I'm more frustrated with the guys that we signed that got their paydays. Like McAvoy to me has been a huge disappointment so far this season. He's been my disappointment offensively. I think defensively he's done a lot of good. So I, I want to argue that just a little only because I feel the turnovers that he has made have been very costly. Maybe not as consistent as others, but the time of the turnover when it happens and how it happens is I'm putting a lot of that on him. See, I think it's just the inopportune moments. I don't think it's an I don't think it's a it's a nagging issue. I just think he has bad moments. I can see that. And I guess it looks worse when it's a tie game or a down by one and we lose due to that bad moment. It overall makes it look worse on him at that point in time. Exactly. How do you feel about tonight? I I don't think it's gonna happen tonight for the Bruins, just because Washington is who they are. Um however I don't see this slump or this, you know, this negative streak proceeding too much longer. I think the Bruins have the right pieces, the right leadership to be able to say, this needs to end. It's not going to happen perfectly. It's not going to happen right away, but this is what's got to happen in in order for us to get back on the right side of the ship. And see, I feel tonight's a game. I don't ever want to call something this early a must win. But going into this long Christmas break, I think it's a stepping stone that the Bruins need to get. You beat them, you just beat the best team in the NHL, and you can go into this long week break with confidence, enjoy the holidays, enjoy your little break from practice, all of that. I think it would be a huge confidence builder, and it would help the morale of the team. I think if we lose our eighth in a row, whether it be an overtime, a shootout, regulation, 
I just feel that you're just you're letting that slump linger with you through the holiday season, and it could cause more issues when you come back from it. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think I think this like I, I failed to mention the the holiday break, but I want to know. We we talked about you know a lot of the eyes on the NHL are on on Kovalchuk and what he might do and what he could add and, or what he might take away from a team and you seem to think that it might be is it Toffoli that you're interested in? Yes, I'm interested in two people, Toffoli and Simmons from the Devils, and I feel you can ship somebody out like Heinen and a prospect or Heinen and a draft pick, uh, maybe even Lindholm and a prospect to where you can bring them both in because you're going to get Foley, who's a goal scorer, and that's going to help another line. And then you're also going to get Simmons. The physicality aspect of hockey right now is absolutely kidding us, or killing us right now. See, yeah, I think – I think, and I've wanted – I think I've wanted Wayne Simmons on the Bruins for a while now, the same kind of way I've wanted a guy like P.K. Subban. I don't – I've always – you know, the only reason I've hated him was because he was on the Flyers, and the only reason I hated P.K. Subban was because he was on the Canadians at the time. And now you look at the you look at the qualities that those two guys can bring to a team, and I'm pretty sure the Devils are also shopping around uh, Subban's contract anyway. Um, I may be wrong. But, you know, Simmons is physical. He's a veteran presence. He's, he, he has obvious goal-scoring capabilities, and he – that's – you know, if you if you want big, you want bad, and you want Bruin, I look at a guy like Wayne Simmons. But my issue with a guy like Simmons and a guy like Toffoli is is they're both up there in age. I'm pretty sure Toffoli's 27. I'm, I forget how old Wayne Simmons is, but I don't know how confident or how comfortable I am adding another 27 year old winger to the Bruins. All right, so I'll throw out the biggest topic. What about Kovalchuk? Because I know I know you've had your eyes on him. How, what what do you feel that he would do for the team that would I, that would help? I think it's low risk, high reward. He's not asking, he's asking for the veteran minimum. And, you know, he's that, he's that guy who's played around the league as, as long as he has. He's, he's obviously still skilled. He reminds me of a, of a, a discount Yarmir Yager almost in the fact that he can just play as long as he wants. Um, but I just think it's low risk, high reward for, for a guy like Kovalchuk. If it's for the league minimum, yes. Do you know how old he is? I forget. Okay, because I couldn't even begin to tell you if he's up there in age or he's not. Um, I also feel that if we were to make a trade for him, whoever it may be, it might be an oh shit wake up call for the guys that are on the team that are struggling right now. I know if I was personally on a team and you can maybe vouch for this in soccer, but if I'm on a team and all of a sudden I hear uh, one of my line mates is getting traded, I'm going to sit back and say, uh oh. He got traded. They're willing to trade people. What do I need to do to make sure that I'm not the next one to go out the door in the trade? Ilya Kovalchuk is 36 years old, by the way. Ugh. Okay. Not horrible. Um, let us know what you guys think. Should we make a trade? Should we not make a trade? Um, last thing I want to touch on so we can wrap up, because I know we barely ever speak to it or speak of them, and it's so early in that season. Uh, taco, taco for MVP for the Boston Celtics. Love me a good taco fall appearance. Taco fall guys. What we're doing as a fan base with him and just pouring him with this amazing cheer and wishing him the best is awesome. That was the guy that was told he wasn't going to go anywhere. And he showed up against Duke in uh, the tournament and he's with us and he's actually doing big things. And I would love to see him stay on the roster 
NBA impact for the Celtics team that is now 20 and seven after nobody had them in the top five going into the season. They're now 20 and seven, I think will be a huge threat down the line. Seven foot six, man. I don't, I don't know how you do that. I just want to know when they're going to have a, a thing for the garden to where if he scores X amount of points, everybody gets free tacos. Now you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Um, for those of you that went live with us, continue to comment. That's why we did this. That way we could interact with you guys. We can actually do screen share on here. So if you ever want to go live, request to go live with us. We got Carter on the phone. We'll save the podcast, upload it. It will be on your Spotify, iTunes, and Anchor. Go listen, rate us. So far, we've got two ratings and a five-star, so thank you to whoever did that. I hope all of you have a wonderful holiday. You as well, Carter. And uh, we'll be back at it sometime next week, and hopefully we'll be talking about the Pats entering the playoffs with a bye and the Bruins back on a win streak. So, as always, it's off the post Boston sports, all sports, all Boston, all the time. Talk to you guys later. Happy holidays, everyone.